morning. To greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Welcome you here. <clears throat> I couldn't help but hear hear a word that kept being repeated, and it was in our Sunday school title. Dwight talked a lot about it in the short few minutes that he talked about or that he was here. And uh, that word is better. I titled my thoughts here this morning, A Better Tomorrow. As I contemplated what to share this morning, my mind went to Psalms 126, and that's going to be where the message is going to come from. This was an encouragement to me. It is said that a message from the head goes to the head, but a message from life goes to the heart. I trust that this message can speak to your heart this morning. This psalms here is known as a song of ascent, one that the Israelites, the children of Israel, probably would have sang or repeated or chanted or recited as they made their way to Jerusalem. And I asked the question myself and to you, where is our Jerusalem this morning? Are we tracing the upward ascent of our heart to God's heart? This life doesn't offer smooth sailing all the way. And like the psalmist here in this psalm of ascent, we make our way to God through a series of ups and downs as we move. Mount Zion is a symbol for Jerusalem which itself represents the place where God dwells with His people. Let's read Psalms 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mourning filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bringeth precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This psalm here, somewhat has a twist to it, kind of a sorrowful psalm, but yet the focus is on what God can do. We all go through those challenging times, those hard times, those times that sorrow may seem thick and hard. It feels like it just doesn't end. It will not end. We may wake up in the morning with tears in our eyes. We may go to bed with tears in our eyes. It's difficult 
to see the way forward. And you may begin to lose hope. And you may begin to wonder, is all this that God has for me? Will I ever be happy again? i like you to think about this psalm as a medication or medicine, something that I can prescribe to you. It's a medicine for the soul. Just as in physically, we have things that will drag us down, will wear us out, will make us not feel good. We, get, we have those moments of sickness physically. And we go to the medicine cabinet to find some relief to help us get through that day. And this psalms here is one that we can take to help us get through that day. This psalm is basically divided in two stanzas. I don't know if you picked that up or not. It has two main ideas. And this is how I divided it here this morning. <clears throat> the first stanza encourages us to marvel at how God has helped you in the past. And you'll find that in 1 through 3. In Psalms 1 through 3. How God was faithful in the past. How He helped you to get through and the second stanza encourages us to trust God again. And you find that in verse 4 through 6. Here it's talking about the children of Israel. And when they brought were brought back from captivity to their land, they were like men who dreamed. You ever have those realities that just didn't seem real? And sometimes you would say, pinch me. Is it real? Am I real? It causes to wonder. When God delivers you big time, it can feel like a dream. You know, the children of Israel, they were in captivity for 70 years. Give us consider how long 70 years is. To me, I think 70 years isn't that long. But when you're the one that's in that captivity, that's a lifespan, almost a lifespan. I'm sure that there were those that were born in that land, that had adapted to that land, that didn't know anything else other than that, and had become comfortable in that, in that bondage, in that captivity. And suddenly, there's a new king on the horizon, Cyrus, and he makes a proclamation telling the Jews that they can go back to their land. And you can find that in Ezra 1, 1 through 4. 
God turned things around just like that. And it had been prophesied. But it still was a shock to them. They couldn't believe it. It was too good to be true. There again, somebody pinched me. I must be dreaming. They were now back in Jerusalem. And this psalms is why they are reflecting on what God had delivered them from. They were marveling that God had helped them. Marvel, the definition of marvel is to be filled with wonder and astonishment. As I was thinking of this, did all the Jews return from captivity? Were there some that were content to stay in bondage? To have the comforts that they were afforded to them? Led me to the next question. Am I comfortable in my bondage? Are the things of this world holding me from ascending to the hill of God to worship Him. God doesn't force us to make these decisions. Neither will He make these decisions for us. But the choice is ours. And what are we going to do with it? It takes a change of heart. And I believe that's where our Sunday school lesson and devotional, a better covenant, If we want God's blessing, we need to be willing to forsake the bondage and press on to the hill of Zion. I thought of Job. Imagine how it must have felt when God restored him after his time of suffering. Job prayed for his friends, and the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. Now, Job probably went through way more than what you and I will ever go through in our lifetime. He must have wondered if God was through with him. Was there going to be any joy on the other side? And then God did it. God restored and made him prosperous again. Also, Peter in the jail you know, that, there again, that was like a dream. You know, Peter was struggling. Here there's an angel setting him free. And realized later that this was not a vision. This was actually something real. Back to Psalms 126, verse 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Before we can understand the laughter and the joy, we must, we must first understand the sorrow. The, captive experience great, the captives experience great sorrow and mourning in exile. In fact, some of the most heartbreaking passages that you find in the scripture, you can read. Read Psalms 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept. 
when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for a song. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy, and they said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The response was, How can we sing the song of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? Their tormentors were demanding a song of joy, but in their exile, in their captivity, they wept. It was hard to find that song of joy. But now, the amazing work of God, they're back in Zion, and they can sing. Their mouths are filled with laughter and song of joy. Joy is mentioned four times here in this in this psalm. Songs of joy is kind of an ironic when you consider this to be a song of trouble. When you're drowning in tears and sorrow, you sometimes wonder if you will ever laugh again. You will. God's time, in God's time, your sorrow will be lifted and God can fill your mouth again with laughter and joy. You will not heal until you embrace the pain that you're going through. When God does a work like this in you, it brings glory to God and joy to us. And we can see that in verse 2 and 3. The Lord has done great things for them. This is speaking of the children of Israel here. The Lord has done great things for us. And that can fill us with joy. These verses remind us of our responsibility to tell others about God and what God has done for us. Do those around you, your neighbors, your friends, your family, do they know what God has done for you? Is the testimony of God on the end of your lips and the goodness that God has done for you in the past? Just like the children of Israel, it talks about how the pagan nations took note of when God moved um, among them. They, they, they sat up. They, they took note. Are people around us sitting up and taking note of what God has done? Christians should be the most joyful of all people because God has done great things for us. Notice verse 3. This is the only verse in this 
six verses here that is in the present tense. The other two, verse 1 and 2, are in a past tense, and verse 4 and 6 are in a future. Verse 3 expresses joy in the present based on our remembrance of the past and our hope for the future. When God does a work of deliverance in your life, it brings glory to God and joy to us. Sometimes we are in the middle and we just don't know what the future holds. We need to be patient. We need to wait. Was it easy to wait 70 years to return back to Jerusalem? Was it easy to wait when God promised Abraham a son? God promised Abraham that his descendants would be like the sand of the sea stars of the sky. We know how that story unfolded. Trusting in God to do it again. The captives were back in Jerusalem, but there was still a lot of work to do. They needed to rebuild the temple. They needed to rebuild the walls. And yet they faced discouragement from within and opposition from without. God had worked a great deliverance for them in the past, and now he was going to do it again. Maybe sometimes we get to where God delivers us, puts us in a a different place, a different land, a different job, a different surrounding. There's still work to do. It still takes effort. It still takes diligence. Sometimes we still need to get dirty to continue to move ahead. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, very familiar verse. Because the Lord's love will not consume us. His compassions will never fail. And they are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. You will face fresh troubles each day. But God has fresh mercies for you each day that you will face. God has done great things for you in the past. And you can mark my word that he will continue to be there. And you can trust him to do it again. Pray for God's full restoration and blessing. This latter part of the Psalms teaches us three specific things which I think we can find in time of trouble. First, that is to pray. 
that we pray for full restoration and blessing. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev, which there in uh, verse 4 it talks about streams of the south. So in Israel, to the south would have been a desert. And to restore in the desert would have the idea of water meeting parched ground and bringing life to seeds that were sitting there dormant or plants that are just barely hanging on. How many have ever seen a desert bloom? We're not in desert country here, so I'm not expecting any hands, which I don't see any hands. But a desert bloom is very beautiful. And it's something that happens almost overnight. You can have a rain, and almost the next day there can be a bloom. It grows quickly. I think we can make an application here with God's blessing. As it hits, as it hits our parched soil, our deserts, there can be life. There can be bloom. Do you ever feel like your life is a desert, spiritually dry and parched? Then we need to pray, God, restore me, bring restoration, bring life. We not only need to pray for ourselves, but I believe that we can pray for others, we can pray for the church. This prayer for revival, the returning from captivity for Israel, was something only God can do. In the same way for revival, for us, it's something that God can do. God can turn our sorrows into joy. It's the second sub-part of the second uh, stanza of Psalms 123. Know that God turned our sorrow into joy. We can see this in life. If you are ill and you pray for healing, you want to pray for healing, but you should still go to the doctor. And you should still take the appropriate medication. There is a saying, pray as though it all depends on God, but work as though it all depends on you. Now perhaps maybe a better way to say that would be work and pray as though it all depends on God working through you. God reaches out to us, but it still takes effort on our part to do what we need to do. 
We long for sudden deliverance, and we rejoice when it comes. But God's normal way of working is much slower. And we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. Why did God wait so long? When God, when Adam and Eve sinned, and sin came into the world, why didn't God offer a, a solution to the problem right there and then? He did have a solution, but it took a long 4,000 years plus till Jesus came, and there was that uh, new covenant, and yet we're still here with the new covenant, moving forward, and time is still moving on. How long will it be till we finally get to that better tomorrow? I couldn't help but think of Naomi and Ruth. There, you know, Naomi lost both her her husband and both of her sons. We know how the story went. She returned to Bethlehem, and she did not want to be called Naomi. She said, I left full, and I come back empty. I am bitter. Call me Mara. The Almighty has done the Almighty has made my life bitter. And we know that the last book or the last chapter of that book in Ruth, Ruth gives a son gives birth to a son and brings him to Naomi, and Naomi takes that child and laid it on her lap, or Ruth took the child, laid it on her lap, and cared for him. The women are, um, Naomi has a son, and they called him Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, which Jesse was the father of David. There, God restored to that family joy. And Naomi no longer had to be called Mara. This psalm also, I thought of Jesus, his sermon to the, at Nazareth, where he took the Isaiah 61 and made it them, made it his own. The Lord hath anointed me to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who all grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Isaiah 61, 1-3 Are you going through a time of sorrow? Know that God will turn your sorrow into joy. Psalms 35 says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Psalms 30. No, that's Psalms 35. 30, verse 5. Also, there, um, there has never been a sunset yet that has not followed by a sunrise. Those who sow in tears will reap a song of joy. Psalms 126, 5. 
What do you do in time of trouble? Pray for God for full restoration and blessing. Know that God will turn your sorrow into joy. And then commit yourself to the Lord and continue to do good. You can find that in the very last verse of there, Psalms 126. He that goeth forth weepeth, beareth precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Going about doing what is good. This verse expands on the image of verse 5 and focuses on the sower going forth to work. And eventually he's returning with a harvest in his hand. It reminds us that even in times of sorrow, there's still work that needs to be done. And good work will bear good fruit in our lives. First Peter four first first Peter four verse nineteen teaches us also that suffering according to God's will should commit them to the faithful Creator and continue to do good. Let us not become weary and weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Find that in Galatians six nine. Did you know that God keeps a record of all your tears? Psalms 56.8 Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? God keeps track. And one day, He will wipe those tears from your eyes. Revelation 21.4 he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be more, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for all those things will be past. That's what we can call a better tomorrow. Time of sorrows are hard. Sowing in tears is difficult. But nothing is wasted if it's in God's economy. You can trust God with your tears. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, God is too good to be unkind, and He's too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace His hand, we must trust His heart. What do you do when you're walking through a time of sorrow? Or a time that is tough? Marvel at God, what He has done in the past, and then trust God to do it again. As always, look to Jesus. the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
despises shame. Jesus knows that trouble and the sorrow that may face us in our life. This goes back to our Sunday school again. Why did Jesus live those 33 years? So he could experience the heartache, the pain, the trouble, the trials, everything that you and I will face in our lifetime. Jesus has has experienced that. Psalms 126 is a psalm of trouble, but it's also a psalm that offers us hope in the midst of trouble and tears. God will turn our sorrow to joy and your tears to laughter. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning. And one day we will leave all the sorrows of this world behind for eternal joys that will await us in heaven. There is a time for sowing. There is a time for reaping. Perhaps we're in that time of sowing right now, but take comfort. The reaping will come. The harvest awaits. God's promises are true. Closing, we'll close with the palm. When things go wrong, as sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debt is high, and you want to smile but have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't give up. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turn about when he might have won if he struck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You might can't even read my own writing. You might with another blow. Often the struggler has given up when he might capture the victor's cup, and he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to that golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of cloud of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seemed afar, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit.